The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We're glad you found us. This is UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Executive Minister, Senior Assistant Minister, and the Director of the Johnny Coleman Institute at Christ Universal Temple. I'm in the midst of a series titled Sea Time and Harvest which is based upon, or actually the, the series is Neville Goddard's Seed Time and Harvest. And it's based upon a book by Neville Goddard titled Seed Time and Harvest. And this book basically uses metaphysical Bible interpretation to teach people how to manifest their good, how to create a life that they desire, how to work with universal principles to achieve goals how to work with your imagination, how to work with the uh, the techniques of visualization, how to create a sense of knowing so you can demonstrate the good that you desire. Now, I haven't um, really opened myself up for a lot of uh, calls during this series because I've been trying to get so much information out. But I do want to make sure that I give you the opportunity to do so. If you want to call in, you can call in at 816 816- Two five one three five five five, eight one six two five one three five five five. Today I'm teaching chapter five, which is the game of life, the game of life. So, uh, so he starts off, and I have a, a original published divorce and company version of this, so I'm going with the original pages. I know a lot of people have found reprints, and I, as I've said before, they put this whole book, I believe, in Neville Goddard's The Neville Reader um, by Divorce and Company, but it's also some prints on Amazon.com that people reprinted, you know, for whatever reasons. So, uh, but on my book, it's page 77, it says, Life is a game, and like all games, it has its aims and its rules. And then he gives examples of cricket and tennis and baseball, football, you know, they have rules that change from time to time. And, you know, once the rules are agreed upon, the players then adjust and play within the framework of those accepted rules. But he says on page 78, however, in the game of life, the rules cannot be changed or broken. Only within the framework of his universal and everlasting fixed rules can the game of life be played. Now, what he's saying is 
that this is a universe that is governed by spiritual principles. And those rules or laws or principles must be acknowledged, just like the, you know, the, the law, law of aerodynamics. It don't make a difference where you are on the earth. If you want your plane to fly, there are rules or laws or principles you must abide by to make the plane or the helicopter fly or even the drone fly. There's certain principles, regardless of it has, you know, uh, how it's built. It has to still apply the principle of aerodynamics to fly. So he's saying the same thing, that these universal and everlasting fixed rules, I'm calling principles and, and, or, and or laws, are ways to help us understand how this universe was created and how we were created to function. And within the framework of, of these principles, we can create a life that we desire. So he goes on to say, page 78, the game of life is played on the playing field of the mind. That's where we need to stop right there. The game of life is played on the playing field of the mind. What does that mean in real time? In real time, that means, as I've often said on this show, all causation is mental. What, what do I mean by that? Everything begins in the mind. Everything begins in the mind. And when you recognize that the game of life begins in the mind, it's played in the mind. And when you get that understanding, then you can understand why the development of your consciousness matters so much because you can't get around your own consciousness growth. As I often tell people, you can't out demonstrate your own consciousness. Amy Fox used to say, there's no such thing as undemonstrated understanding saying the same thing in a different way you can't out demonstrate your own consciousness why because the game of life is played on the playing field of the mind and to not pay attention to your mind to not pay attention to the type of thoughts you think the type of feelings you have and the type of beliefs you hold can literally affect not can't literally affects your life what you create, what you produce, and what you attract to you. It allows you to know what you can see and what you can't see. Some people can't see opportunity at all because their consciousness won't allow it. Some people will sidetrack and disrupt their own good because their consciousness can't allow them to have too much good at one time. It's against their belief system. So we are consistently producing and attracting experiences to that correspond with where we are in consciousness and awareness in mind. So he goes on to say, what is this? He said, in the playing a game, the first thing we ask is what is its aim and purpose? And the second, what are the rules governing the game? So according to Neville in the game of life, our chief aim is toward increasing awareness, an awareness of greater significance. Now, in more traditional new thought, we would say that the, that the chief aim is to uh, manifest 
the Christ consciousness, to be a fully awakened spiritual being, or in old terminology, a fully awakened Christ, to awaken to who we are in God and who God is in us. You know, or as Jesus would say, these works I do, you can do. And even greater work or works. Why? Because you have the same potential within you. You have the same possibility for greatness within you. You have the same spiritual pattern within you. But we have to grow in that awareness. So part of the spiritual growth that we actually have is really spiritual, the understanding that spiritual growth is really soul growth. And what I mean by that is the spirit in you is already perfect, whole and complete. But your awareness, your consciousness, your soul, your entire mind, not just the parts that you think about, you know, personality, conscious thinking, things of that nature, but the totality of it is growing evolving towards a full awareness of your spiritual nature or as Neville would say toward increasing awareness an awareness of things of greater significance what is more of what is of more greater significance than the understanding that God individualizes as you and me there's only one life, the life of God that expresses as the many. That we don't give ourselves life. Life is, and life expresses as us. So as you grow in, in awareness, as you grow in consciousness, you're able to demonstrate things that you couldn't demonstrate before. As you grow in consciousness, you are able to see things that you couldn't see before. As you grow in consciousness, you're able to accept things you couldn't accept before. Jesus said it this way, um, you know, having eyes, uh, you know, uh, you know, having eyes, they don't see having ears, they don't hear. Then he would say things like, um, uh, you know, I'm trying to, the scripture just, as I said, that one scripture, the other scripture ran out of my brain. But um, he would say, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Now, he wasn't talking about your physical ear and eardrum. He was talking about our ability to discern the truth when it's right before us. If somebody is presenting truth to us and we don't have the discernment, the understanding, the consciousness level, the awareness to to even engage with the possibility of that type of thinking, not only will we potentially be turned off by it, we might not even be able to even see it, acknowledge it at any level. Sometimes when truth is presented, uh, it, it agitates the error in another person's soul. This is why uh, very spiritual individuals can stir up so much anger and frustration in people, you know, like, a, you know, a Martin Luther King Jr. walking around telling people about love, equality, uh, you know, and, you know, in a society that treats people as equals based upon 
of their inherent nature and judging people by their character, not by their skin color or ethnicity. Why were people trying? Well, he was assassinated, but before then, why were people consistently trying to kill somebody that was only proclaiming love and oneness? Because it agitated all that racism that was in people's souls that they didn't want to acknowledge. So you have to recognize that when you start to grow in consciousness, yes, you will attract people of like mind. But you also have to recognize that it will agitate people uh, to to because they 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 haven't wrestled with what's in their own soul. You know, it's funny, you know, uh, I think about, you know, back in the day with, uh, you know, Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman, how I grew up in the neighborhood of the where the old church building was. And there were people, it, it was no middle ground. Either people love Reverend Coleman or they were trying to say, you know, she's a money preacher and all she talks about is money. And, you you know, they would spread lies about the church. You can't go to that church and if you got a bad car, you can only park a, par- a Cadillac in the parking lot, all type of silly stuff, you know. Um, and what was interesting about it was this. What would make those people spread those type of rumors and worse? When someone is trying to help their community uh, live better lives, because that was her whole mission. She used to always tell people uh, Christ Universal Temple was was created to help people live better lives. And she was the founder. And when you start to grow in awareness, when you start to grow in consciousness, when you start to grow in your understanding, you have to recognize that your light can be so bright that it bothers people who want to stay in the dark. Moving on. All right. So he goes on to say, so we're talking about what are the rules governing the game? Because I got sidetracked slightly, but let me get back on point. The second aim is toward achieving our goals, realizing our desires. So he's saying, okay, we have these goals, we have desires. And one of the things that we teach in New Thought is that desire is God tapping on the door of your soul. This is some type of good seeking expression through you. Now, I'm not talking about surface wants. I'm talking about true soul desires. It's, true desire is the divine impulse of spirit seeking expression. I really want you to get that. The divine, the divine impulse, pushing, driving, seeking expression through you. It's your pregnant possibility. And so Neville is saying that's a part of the reason why we're here, to express those desires. That you didn't have those desires by accident. You know, as someone once said many years ago, God wouldn't give you the vision without the provision. So the simple fact that you have the desire means it's possible. If you can accept it in consciousness and then start to do the inner and outer work necessary to bring it into manifestation. All right, back to the book. He goes on to write, as to our desires, the rules reach only so far as to indicate the way in which we should go to realize them. But the desires themselves must be the individual's own concern. The rules governing the game of life are simple, but it takes a lifetime of practice to use them wisely. He says, here's one of the rules. 
Proverbs 23, 7 from the King James Version. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So one of the rules of life is you got to make sure that you understand what's going on with your thinking and that your thinking is the determining factor of your life. So he goes on to write, thinking is usually believed to be a function entirely untrammeled and free without any rules to constrain it. But that is not true. Thinking moves by its own process in a bounded territory with definite paths and patterns. So he wrote down, what are that? What does that mean? And this is clear and key. Thinking follows the tracks laid down in one's own inner conversations. So in other words, um, the thinking that precedes the thing, the thinking that past thinking affects your current thinking because the inner conversations that you're having with yourself what you really think, what you really believe, what's really going on in your mind, uh, the the back and forth sometimes, debates that happen, th- that type of thinking creates the road through which your mind or your thoughts will travel. Now, even brain science teaches this. Uh, they talk about uh, the, the plasticity of the of the of the of the the neural pathways of the brain. That the more you do a thing, the more a thing becomes a habit, the easier it is for your brain to not only do it, recall it, but do it well and want to do it more. So when you create constructive, positive habits, they they can sustain you. And when you create uh, negative, destructive habits, they can create chaos in your life. Because it's just easier to do it. The, the more you do a thing, the more you are creating pathways in your mind to do it again. This is what, and not only do it, but do it almost with no thought. This is why most people have routines. Routines are good. Most people get up, they shower, bathe the same way, and in order, brush your teeth and put the deodorant on and, you know, your guys shave or do your hair and whatever. All these things are normally done in, uh, by repetition many times without having to put a whole bunch of thought to it. You're not running all over the house looking for a brush. You normally, okay, this is where I put my brush. This is where, whatever. And people who don't do that tend to have their own chaos going on. Many people take this, you know, uh, same you know, uh, route to work. So, you know, many people, uh, you know, wear similar type clothes. Uh, they make certain type of phone calls. They go to the same websites. They go to the same social media. They got, why? Because it makes it easier. This is why social media is so strong because social media, it creates those neural pathways. Every time you go on Facebook, and you're just scrolling on your phone. It makes it easier to do it the next time. I'm not knocking Facebook. I like Facebook. I'm just saying from the standpoint of um, the reason why I can distract social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, is even while you're at work or you're doing something that you it's, it's easy to get pulled into it because the neural pathways have been created. Anyway, so... Going back to this, thinking follows the tracks laid down in one's own inner conversations. What are you saying to yourself? 
in your own mind. What do you believe about yourself and what you can accomplish in your own mind? What do you think is possible in your own mind? That matters. That's your inner conversation. You know, I was, uh, this past Sunday, I was, you know, uh, uh, I did the guided meditation appointment with God. We do, we have a meditative part of our service. We call the appointment with God. And as I'm walking out on the platform, you know, probably about 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes before the appointment with God, I actually had this thought instead of doing what I thought I was going to do the meditation I prepared, I actually had this thought and it was clear as day. I knew it was spirit. The scripture uh, of Jesus saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then I had an inner conversation that said, them so-and-sos know what they're doing. And And I was like, wait a minute. From Jesus's level, they didn't know what they were doing. If you're functioning from Jesus's level of consciousness, they didn't know what they were doing. From their own human consciousness level or whatever that level was, of course, they made a conscious choice to do something. But from a higher perspective, that con- that con- that conversation, excuse me, that those actions were based upon inner conversations, a context, a paradigm that was limited. So even though they had ch- choice, the choice was limited by their own belief systems, the context in which they lived. Now, that's a heavy statement when you start to think about it. That I have choice, I have freedom, but my choice and my freedom follow the tracks laid down in one's own inner conversation. So even my choice, my choice can be is not sometimes not really a choice. It's just a perspective within a context. It's not real tr- true freedom. Because it's not being, it's not moved based upon what is the best and highest for me. It's moved based upon my limited beliefs and perceptions. Have you ever uh, told someone who was in a bad relationship, you should just leave? I just can't leave. Why can't you leave? And you're saying, well, okay, they stayed. That's their choice. But and that's true at a human level. At a, when we look at consciousness from a higher level, we recognize that their paradigm is so limited that they don't see the possibility of leaving. That's just not, that that process is not something that they can even uh, contemplate because they're stuck in their paradigm. They're stuck in their context. They're stuck in that dominant belief. And in that, in those limited dominant beliefs, those limited contexts, what you're talking about as a choice isn't really available to them until you shatter the context. Now, how do you shatter the context? You have to separate what's happening from the meaning they give it because everybody has naming power. And I've taught this many times in the garden of Eden. God said to Adam, I'm bringing everything to you and whatever you name it, that's what it will be. And what and life is always presenting opportunities to us, and whatever we name them, that's what it is to us. 
So a person can 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 uh, take abuse and call it love. It's not love. It's abuse. But the meaning they give it changes the game. A person can take poverty and decide that that's righteous or righteousness instead of the inability to take care of themselves and their families. So that's how we have to be able to separate that process. So he goes on to say, all of us can realize our objectives by the wise use of mind and speech. What are you thinking? What are you saying? And I was just what you're saying outwardly. What are you saying to yourself inwardly? That makes all the difference in the world. So thinking follows the tracks laid down in one's own inner conversation. All of us can realize our objectives by the wise use of mind and speech. So we, we're almost time for our break. So let me give these couple of quick commercials real fast. Uh, just remember that this show has a Facebook page. Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. It's the quickest way to get in contact with me. If you need to get in contact with me from listening to this podcast, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. So if you need to get in contact with me, you can inbox me. Um, I'm going to ask you also to like the page. I share things on it, share it, and, um, you know, just help me grow the page. Like the post, share share the post, and if you need to get in contact with me, it's the easiest way to do it. Also, these shows have, um, you know, are on, you know, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, so if they have mechanisms which you can give it like five stars or positive ratings, please do that because it helps with the algorithm that allows it to get in front of more people. So we want to make sure that we're spreading the word as much as we can. Take the podcast, post them on your on your page, pull them off the UnityOnlineRadio.org website. Uh, let's share this stuff so we can bless the world with this message. Also remember that Truth Trent excuse me, the Christ Universal Temple uh, Sunday service is available on our website, www.cutemple.org, our Facebook page, Christ Universal Temple, or our YouTube page, CU Temple, CU and the word temple together. It's every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Of course, since it's on YouTube and Facebook, you can go back and watch it later or on our website. We want to make sure that you're connected to what we're doing and our, we have Facebook live lessons every noon at noon central time, Monday through Friday. You want to make sure that you're tuning into that on our Christ Universal Temple Facebook page. So we're going to take our break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. So, again, I'm teaching Neville Goddard Seed Time and Harvest, and I'm getting back to, again, realizing how to use the mind, how to use the thinking with mind and speech. So, 
Neville goes on to write on page 80, most of us are totally unaware of the mental activity which goes on within us. And I would agree. That's why most of it is subconscious. But, but to play the game of life successfully, we must become aware of our mental activity. For this activity in the form of inner conversations is the cause of out, the outer phenomena of our life. Okay? So, so the thinking or the inner conversations that's happening are the driving and determining factor or the cause of the outer expression. So he quotes Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, verses, verses 36 and 37. He wrote, Jesus is attributed to saying, every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by the words that, for by thy words, uh, this old King James language, for by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So let's just drill down on that scripture for a moment. Every idle word that a man shall speak shall be given account of in the day of judgment. In New Thought, we teach that every day is judgment day. Every day is judgment day. That's one of the things that we have to be mindful of. Every day is judgment day. Every day is the day of account from our consciousness, and we have to be very mindful of those things. Every day is judgment day, and we are either justified or condemned by the words that we speak, because the words we speak are the expressions of the thoughts, feelings, and beliefs we have. I want you to keep that in mind. So he says the law of the word cannot be broken. And he quotes Jesus, uh, a gospel of John chapter 19, verse 36, a bone of him shall not be broken. What this is saying is this, the law of the word never overlooks an inner word, nor makes the smallest allowance for our ignorance of his power. You might have heard it this way. The universe doesn't take, doesn't joke. What you believe is what you get. All right. This is one of the reasons why, you know, a lot of old school new thought teachers and ministers would say things like, um, never say what you don't want. Or you would hear things like, uh, don't joke about stuff like that. Or one of the more prominent things you'll hear is never use, never say anything negative after I am, because I am is a statement of being. As Reverend Ike used to say, I am is your first name. And what what you put after I am is your last name. Never put I am with something that you don't want. Uh, Reverend Coleman would drill us on that, you know. So she wouldn't, you know. We she she would say, don't name anything. I am, you know. She would get on people by saying I am, or and using words like tired and sick and whatever. She's like, no, always lift I am up. And people can say, well, you know. You know, now you have people saying, oh, that's spiritual bypass, and that's not acknowledging where you are. No. People, when you understand the principle, you recognize as it states in the Bible, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. It doesn't take much to acknowledge what already is. These are already the facts. 
But if you want to live a life beyond what you're currently doing or expressing or living, you have to get your mind past what's actually happening to and put your mind on where you want to go and what you want to produce and what you want to experience. That's what matters. But, you know, all of this, you know, well, you know, you just got to be in your sadness or you just got to be, it's no different than saying you just got to be in your pain or you just got to be in your brokenness. I'm saying, okay, what is is? Don't have any judgment around it. Okay, and then decide, where do I want to take my mind? I never forget, and I'm just, I'm just going to show you how, how this works in, in real time. So, um, well, my gr- grandfather um, made his transition from a, a car accident, um, Dan McDowell, and he you know, lingered for a while, car accident lingered, and eventually from the um, consequence of someone driving into him, a teenager, he ended up making his transition. And uh, Reverend Coleman called me, and she, you know, you know, and she's like, you know, I'm like, hello. She's like, my speak to Galen. This is he. This is Johnny Coleman. You know, for people, I always joke, but people who knew Johnny would, that's how she talked. This is Johnny Coleman. And then she asked me about my uh, grandfather. She, you know, she was calling to, you know, you know, comfort me. And she said, "How are you doing?" And I said, "Johnny, I'm fine, because you taught me to never allow myself to get too low." And she got so excited over the phone. That's what I'm talking about. And she said these words that I've never forgotten. She said, what good is this truth if when you need it the most, it's not there for you? I've never forgotten that statement. As a, you know, I'm trying to think, I, I was I was a, maybe, I was 27. What good is this truth? That if when you need it the most, it's not there for you. We read this stuff. We go to the church services. We listening to radio programs like this, we're watching it on YouTube. But when the rubber hits the road, many times people forget all of their truth because they're not making it a part of their own inner conversation. So this is why she would tell us, you have to learn how to stand on your own two big spiritual feet. So, you have to recognize that what you think matters. The reason why I was able to handle my grandfather's transition and then, you know, and, and, you know, and then on my mom's side, you know, you know, my grandmother and my grandfather and my own mother and deal with those things the way I dealt with them. Because in my mind, I do not allow myself to get too low. Period. I don't care what it is. Does that mean I don't get mad? Of course I get mad. Does that mean I don't get frustrated? Of course I get frustrated. Does that mean that I, you know, every other human emotion? Of course. But here's the thing. I'm not going to allow myself to stay there. I'm going to shake myself off, shake it off, because I know 
that the longer I stay there, the more I am likely to start producing experiences that are consistent to it, consistent with it. So I have to make the decision. And I do over and over again. I am not I am fine. I'm not going to let myself get too low. I can lean into truth. Or I can lean into the problem. I really, really want you to get this. Lean into the truth or lean into the problem. And I'm using myself as a as as a conversation base because I want you to understand this is how the game of life is played. So when that's it, when when Johnny Coleman called me, what she got was the response of my inner conversation. Back to the book. He goes on to write. He says, there is no opponent in the game of life. There's only the goal. A lot of times we, you know, you know, we see opponents when we really should just be seeing what we desire. We're focused on the obstacle instead of the objective. I really want that to land. We're focused on the obstacles instead of the objective. Keep your mind on what it is you're seeking to produce. And then he gives a wonderful story about this guy, you know, and he's who gives this example about um, how he learned to deal with money. He said, he said, you know, Neville, I first learned about goals in life when I was 14 and it was on the playing field at school. I was good at track and had a fine day, but there was one more race to run and I had stiff competition in one other boy. I was determined to beat him. I beat him. It is true. But while I was keeping my eye on him. A third boy, who was considered no competition at all, won the race. That experience taught me a lesson I have used throughout my life. When people ask me about success, I must say that I believe it because I've never uh, made making money my goal. My goal is the wise, productive use of money. Now, that's a nuance that Neville then explains. That's great. He said, this man's in a conversations are based upon the premise that he already had money because you can only have a wise or productive use of something that you already have. He says his constant inner question, the proper use of it. I have money already. My thing is the proper use of it. The inner conversations of the man struggling to get money only prove his lack of money because they're trying to, you know, so this is why in new thought we say, Get the consciousness of the thing. Get the consciousness of the thing. Get the consciousness of a thing. That's what matters. Get the consciousness. All right. So he goes on to write, to quote Shakespeare, the fault, dear Brutus, is not in our, in our stars, but in ourselves that we are underlings from Julius Caesar. Uh, Act one, scene two. All right. So then he goes on to quote, as the worlds were framed by the word of God, so we as imitators of God, as dear children, create the conditions and circumstances of our lives by our, our, our all-powerful human inner words. The, the worlds were created by the word of God, and the scripture goes on to say, so that which is seen was made out of things that are not seen. That's Hebrews 11.3. 
things that are seen are made out of things that are not seen. I really want you to get that. What are the things that are not seen? The inner conversation, the thoughts, the feelings, the beliefs, the consciousness, the meaning, the context, the paradigm. That's why all causation is mental. That's why everything begins in the mind. All right. He goes on and writes. Without practice, the most profound knowledge of the game will produce no desired results. To him that knoweth to do good, that is, knoweth the rules, and doeth it not, to him it is it is sin. In other, in other words, he will miss the mark and fail to realize his goal. So you have to work and train your mind through practice to get better results. This is why many times people say, with well, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in spirituality. I don't believe there's anything beyond my humanity and my five senses. Is because they live life at a certain level of consciousness, low level, baseline. And then when life shows up in a way that requires uh, an understanding and experience of a higher power, their, their sense of separation is so great that they can't connect properly they can't consciously connect you're always connected to god because you're the self-expression but they can't consciously connect then they'll say where is god i don't feel god i don't nothing has changed i've prayed and nothing's changed well you're praying from this low level of consciousness that can't produce much that would mean like me saying uh that it's not possible to bench press for 500 pounds because i went to the gym at uh you know, I ain't been in there in 20 years. That's not true for me. I'm using this as an example. But I haven't been in there in 20 years, and I'm going to get put all the weight on the bar and try to bench press 500 pounds. Guess what? I can't make that level of lift. But that's what people are trying to do when they're trying to uh, pray with no level of high consciousness and get rid of what the diseases of the world that people are dealing with. So the, the world shows up as some dis-ease that's eating away your body, uh, disrupting your organs, messing with you or a family member. And then you say, okay, I'm praying now without a framework of belief, without really being in tune with your faith, without understanding spiritual principle, and expecting to get the results of somebody with a much higher consciousness. It just doesn't work like that. This is why when people teach things, and, and, and I will say this is a fault of our movement, when things like the law of attraction are taught, I always tell people that, yes, the law of attraction works, but it's still your own starting point. Because the law of aerodynamics works. But there's a big difference between a paper airplane, taking a sheet of paper and folding it into an airplane and throwing it. And it might fly for four or five seconds. That's the principle of aerodynamics working. Or or uh, one of those wind up, remember the old airplanes where you can wind up the pr propeller and then throw it and it would fly. That's the principle of aerodynamics in action. But that's a lot different than a F-22 fighter jet or 
going on United or Southwest or Delta and taking a, air, a, a passenger airplane. It's the same principle being used at greater levels of understanding, at greater levels of structure. The structure of a paper airplane is a lot different than the structure of an F-22. The ability, the thrust of your hand throwing a, a cheap piece of thin piece of paper is a lot different than the structure of building a passenger jet, a plane rather, not jet plane. The the engine, the 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 substance the plane is made out of, all of those things matter. And the substance of your thought, the energy and feeling and drive behind your thought, your feelings, makes a difference. And I just want to make sure that lands. You know, so anyway, back to the book. He goes on to write, in the parable of the talents, the master's condemnation of the servant who neglected to use his gift and clear and um, is clear and unmistakable. And having discovered one of the rules of the game of life, we risk failure by ignoring it. The talent not used, like the limb not exercised, slumbers and finally atrophies. We must be doers of the word and not hearers only. Since thinking follows the tracks laid down in one's own inner conversations, not only can we see where we are going on the playing field of life by observing our inner conversations, but we also, but also we can determine where we will go by controlling and directing our inner talking. So you can see where the trend of your consciousness is going just by your inner conversation. And you can then say, okay, do I want to keep going in this direction? Or do I need to change it up and start having some different inner talking? This is why we teach people to affirm. This is why we teach people to deny error. This is why we teach people to visualize what they desire. This is why we teach people to meditate and contemplate on spiritual truth. This is why we ask for uh, inspiration of spirit. Um, Michael Beckwith calls it the visioning process. All of these things are techniques to direct the inner conversation, the inner talk, the inner thought, the the and to build dominant states of consciousness built on our spiritual nature. Not on nonsense. Back to the book. He goes on to write. What would you think, say, and do were you, what, what would you think, say, and do were you already the one you want to be? Now, why did you ask that type of question? If I was already the person I wanted to be, how would I think, what would I say, and what would I do? Now, what that question does is it helps, it eventually taps into an inner wisdom that makes you think from rise, rise in thinking to contemplate that experience. What, you know, no different than what would I be doing right now if I was on the beach in Ocho Rios, Jamaica? What would I be doing right now? Where would I be sitting? What would I be wearing? What would I be drinking? Or whatever. And, I, you know, and I'm not saying you have alcohol. I'm just talking about drinking in general. If you want to drink alcohol, that's, that's, that's good for you. God bless. My point is, just like you can contemplate, what would I be doing if I was in Ocho Rios right now? What would I be doing if I was in Montego Bay right now? 
what if I be doing what would I be doing right now if I was you know at, at a hotel in Miami Beach looking at the ocean what would I be doing right now you can also contemplate what it would be like to be in the position that you want to be as a CEO of your own company with all of your bills paid house and home and school loans and everything else and you got the freedom of expression to move the way you want to do because you're financially independent what would i think say and do if i was in that position if i was already that person what would i think say and do if i was already the healthy person i want to be in my mind what would i think say and do if i was in the loving relationship that i desire this is the inner conversation. This is the game of life. The game of life is summed up in Reverend Coleman's statement. I am the thinker that thinks the thought that makes the thing. That sums it up. Now, back to the book. He goes on to say, begin to think and say and do this inwardly. You are told that there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets. And you must always remember that heaven is within you. And to make it crystal clear who God is and where he or it is and what his secrets are. Daniel continues, thy dream and visions of thy head are these. They reveal the tracks to which you are tied and point the direction in which you are are going and then he tells a wonderful story about a late lady that had issues with her daughter-in-law and she was no longer in alignment with she didn't see her son or her grandchild and she started to imagine receiving a two letters from her from her daughter-in-law and her grands and grandson and she just imagined this for like nine or ten days and then she got a letter in the mail on like the ninth day two envelopes receiving two letters, one from her daughter-in-law and one from her grandson. She saw the letters in her mind. She created the letters almost. Now, I would say it's two ways. Not only did she create it, but she also was in the position of being in tune to how spirit was moving in them. All right. Back to the book. He goes on to write, and this is the key. A change of attitude is a change of position on the playing field of life. A change of attitude is a change of position on the playing field of life. Your attitude will determine your altitude. If you can change anything in life, it's your attitude because that's how you see life. That's how you engage in life. That's how you encounter life. That's how life occurs to you. We have to understand that the change of attitude is a change of position. It's just like any other game. There, you know, there are rules that you play with. There are rules. And when you understand the rules, you can adjust your position. You can adjust your players. Well, your players are your thoughts. Your players are your feelings. 
Your players are your beliefs. Your players are your words. Your players are your actions. Your players are your reactions. But the actions and reactions are going to be based upon what you, and words are going to be based upon what you think, feel, and believe. Because that's what has true and real meaning to you. So if you want life to be radically different, you have to think radically differently. It makes a difference. The game of life is played on the field of the mind. If you want life to be radically different, you have to start thinking differently. You have to create the meaning that you desire based upon your spiritual wholeness, not the silliness of the world. This is why the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's the process. So next week, we're going to cover the chapter time times and a half in the book time times and a half. We're going to continue to work through this book until we finish it because this book has a lot of information. I hope that you got something today that can be beneficial. If you got some different, some thoughts or some inspirational ideas, write them down, put them in the notes in your phone or whatever you got to do and contemplate on it and then see how you can apply it in your life. Remember, it works if you work it. So go out there and make it work. God bless you, and I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.